Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. We're going to be walking through Ephesians 3 and into Ephesians 4. If you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles, if you have one with you. If not, we're going to throw it up on the, on the screen. Uh, we have been in a series, I think this is week 6, called Head Versus Heart. And uh, this, this conversation came from, really from Proverbs 3, 5, which says, to trust the Lord with all your heart, don't lean on your own understanding. And so that idea is, is a theme throughout the entire Bible. It's walking by faith, it's living by faith, not walking by sight. It is the, the encouragement to live life on a greater place and a greater plane than just intellectualism. And, uh, and out of our feelings and out of our thoughts, uh, but to connect with God's thoughts. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. And so that's been the conversation. We've covered a lot of territory. In these last few weeks, uh, there's just some really great, beautiful conversations that happen uh, in the New Testament church about this idea that covers this topic. And I just thought it would be uh, important to kind of walk through these, take our time. And so we're just going to walk through these verses today, starting with uh, verses 14 through 21 in Ephesians 3, this is what it says. I I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is a prayer. This is a prayer for this community in Ephesus. This is a prayer for us today. And uh, his prayer is that, uh, that every family uh, in heaven and on earth uh, that, uh, that derives its name from God uh, and then would be strengthened. And he goes into some beautiful things. But I want to start there. Uh, every family in, 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 in heaven and on earth, that is not a great translation. Uh, every family in the context, and if you go back, this is a Greek word, pos, uh, which it sounds like the Easter egg dying kit, pos, but it is pos. Uh, it is a word that can mean every, but in context here, and in, in, in all the commentary that I read points this out, uh, that this actually, it, it, the meaning would be closer and more accurate to say the whole family. Uh, instead of saying every individual family, which is kind of how our, our, our minds think, that's a family, this is a family, and, uh, but the context and, and really what the Apostle Paul is driving at in this conversation is he's talking about the family of faith, he's talking about the entire family. And he says the families that have gone on already, that are in heaven, the families that are still here on earth, uh, the whole family, the, the, the Jew, Gentile, all of us welcomed into the family of faith uh, by Christ himself. We were adopted as sons and daughters. And so he says the whole family is, is uh, and the whole family derives its name from God. And, and what that means is we are the children of God. The whole family 
God is our Father. We are the children of God. That is our identity. Uh, that is who we are. And so, that, and then the prayer is that He would strengthen us, the family, uh, in our inner man, uh, in our spirit, within us. We, in our culture, in, in our everyday lives, and, and this is not a bad thing, we put a lot of emphasis on physical health. Uh, we put a lot of emphasis on uh, keeping, eating the right things, uh, getting some exercise in, uh, taking care of ourselves physically. Uh, we, we try to get an appropriate amount of sleep. We try to uh, take care of our bodies, which is a beautiful thing to do. It's, it's important. Uh, we also uh, really prioritize mental health. And so we, we want to, you know, take a break and, 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 and take, take, take a day off every once in a while. All this is very beautiful and, and important. Uh, and, and, and he's talking about something that goes just even deeper than that. Uh, your, something that might be forgotten oftentimes, and that is the spirit you, the true you, the eternal you. Uh, we, we, we don't necessarily take as much time to care for our inner man. Uh, and so, uh, John, First uh, John, uh, or th- I'm sorry, Third John, says that we will prosper in all respects as our soul prospers. So the outside will take care of itself as we prioritize the inside. And so, uh, the prayer is that Christ would dwell in our hearts, obviously through faith. That's our connect, uh, our spiritual connection with God, and that the roots of our faith would grow deeper and deeper into the love of God, to be rooted and grounded in love. So the, the roots are representing our faith, our belief, and the context shows it here, that the roots uh, of our life are what we believe. Your life is determined by, by what you believe. What you believe determines what you do, where you go, what you say, how you feel. It all begins with belief. This is why... Uh, moralism in the church is, is not a good enterprise. It doesn't work. To, to just only broadcast what the shoulds and shouldn'ts of the Christian life, just moralism and, and, and just com, uh, going after life in that way, just, just do, do this, don't do that, it doesn't change the heart of a person. It doesn't change what we believe. It just addresses what, the outside, conforming. Don't do that. And what that means is to us, don't do that in front of anybody else, right? And so that's the law. The law has no power to change the person. The law is just the standard. Now, what changes the person is God himself transforming how we see and how we believe. And so uh, he's talking about the roots of our lives going into the reality of God's perfect, unconditional love for us. And so the result of that as Paul says it, that, that we would be able to comprehend the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to gain revelation of the magnitude and the majesty of who God is and to know his amazing love for us. That's his prayer, is that we would be so rooted and rooted deeply into the love of God that we begin to comprehend, we begin to understand, our eyes are open to how amazingly majestic in the sheer magnitude of our God, that He is bigger, above, and beyond everything that we could ever ask for, hope for, think of, see, feel, God is bigger. And to know His love, to know that this amazing God who is over everything, who created everything, loves you personally. 
who loves you enough to die for you. To know the love of God. Now, I love this part. To know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. This is a contradiction. To know something that you can't know. To understand something that you can't understand. Paul's prayer is that we would know something that is impossible to know. To know the love of God that actually surpasses or bypasses our understanding. And so what that means is there's only one path to gaining revelation of the meaning and the significance and the power of God's love for us. And it is not something that we can arrive at intellectually. I can't talk you into it. I can't explain it to you. In, in fact, uh, this, is, this is something off topic, but this is something that has always astounded me about the way that Jesus ministered and in the gospel in general, is that if you look at the Old Covenant, it, it was all about having the information and then, then living out, walking out the information. We had the law, and now you have to keep it. Now, what if you don't know the law? Well, ignorance is no excuse. You need to know it. So it's something extremely intellectual. And there was, uh, there's, uh, the, 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 this ministry that's happening in, in Ephesus, this, this ministry is happening right now, is, is primarily for a, a, an audience of people who are not Jewish, who did not grow up under the law, and a lot of these guys couldn't tell you the Ten Commandments if you paid them. Because they were never exposed to it. They didn't grow up under it. And so Paul starts from a place of even them not knowing, but explaining Jesus entirely. Because under the new covenant, it's not information that we try to leverage and work for ourselves. It is an overwhelming experience of love. Which is not intellectual. It, it, it would be, I've, I've told this uh, analogy before, but um, imagine if you would. So, so I met my wife back in uh, 1999. And so uh, we, we met, and, and I, I fell madly, deeply in love with her uh, after some time. Now, she fell madly, deeply in love with me the first time she saw me, which is understandable. But anyway, the, the, uh, the, 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 the relationship progressed, and, and eventually I was like, she's the one. And so I proposed. Now, imagine if I proposed to her, and she said, why, do you, why, why me? And... I responded to her, well, uh, the information that I've collected about you is is something that I'm interested in. Uh, That would not be romantic. There's no rom-com. Matthew McConaughey never said that. That, That's not something that's romantic. you, You just, it's an intangible. How, to explain love, I don't know. I mean, you could say it's a feeling, but love has feelings, but is it a feeling? No, it's more of a commitment and a covenant, but it's something deeper that is almost unexplainable and almost unknowable. 
And that's, that's who God is. God is love. And so I just find it astounding that, that the way God identifies and associates with him, himself with, and, and then what you see in the gospel is this amazing association with love as opposed to just information that we can take and work for ourselves. We're overwhelmed by love. We're, we're, we're encapsulated. We're enveloped by it. Love's arms wraps around us and captures us. As, it, as opposed to something that we could just take the knowledge and information and work it out in our own time frame. Like we're in control. Love is something that is, controls us. In fact, that's what the Bible says. Let, let the love of God control you. Let it drive you. And so uh, to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge means to, to experience it in such a way that you can't intellectualize it. You can't figure it out. You just know with a deeper sense of knowing. And that's exactly what he's getting to. He's like, it's knowing in a deeper place within us the inner man, our spirit, to know by faith. So that, now if you know that, if you have a revelation of God's love, if if you begin to understand spiritually that God loves you more than anything else in this world, that you, from that place, you're able to be filled up to all the fullness. Not all the fullness of your capacity, but the Bible says here, all the fullness of God. Now we've tapped into something, an external source that is far superior than what I can contain or manufacture on my own strength. All the fullness of God, and, and that God is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think. So we live life out of our heads. It's just a natural position that we all live in. Uh, everything runs through our brains. It's the central nervous system of everything. It, it, is, it is the hub. It is the hub of the wheel. Everything goes through our brains. And so the Apostle Paul is doubling down and saying, listen, God is bigger and able to do far more than you could ever even think of. You can't come up with a scenario that is on the level in the playing field of God. You've got a, you've got a script that you've written that you, this is the way that life should go for you. God is infinitely beyond and better than that. In fact, to settle for our own script and my will is to settle for something that is secondary and not nearly as good or as amazing or or the scope is not nearly as as big as what God has written for me. It is to settle. His power, it's His power that works within us and it, it works to His own glory. Here's the reality. The knowledge that's being talked about here, the knowing, knowledge, true knowledge, true understanding, which I would relate to revelation, having a spiritual revelation, having true understanding, true wisdom that surpasses our years, that surpasses our experiences, that is something that is from the heart of God. These things, knowledge, understanding, wisdom, are fruits of believing. They, they, they are fruits of Faith, believing, and they show up more and more and more, these fruits show up more and more and more as the roots of our faith grow deeper and deeper and deeper into his love for us. 
So the, the, the wisdom that we hunger for, that we crave, the understanding, the knowledge that we all crave, it comes by way of faith. A, a, a trusting, a deeper knowing of his love for us. Romans 10 says that faith is increased. It comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. And so the, the vehicle by which the roots of our faith are watered in order for them to go deeper and deeper into the reality of his love and his care for us is that they are watered by the water of the word. The gospel waters the roots of our faith. So what we hear in terms of truth, in terms of the gospel, it causes us to believe, it causes us our faith, the roots of our faith to go deeper into truth and reality to where we stop believing the lies and the counterfeits that are presented to us because we are on a different playing field. We, we, we have a deeper knowing that is not intellectual, that is not information, it is, it is spiritual. We're connecting to God. The Bible says that he, the substance belongs to Christ. This is all shadows. Your job, your experiences, your schooling, your, 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 the things that we, we see in our, our world politically, the things that we see in our world uh, you know, with all the different kind of emphasis and, and information that is going around, all this stuff is going to fade away quicker than we could even imagine. And we try to pour concrete on things that last a blip. God is trying to bring us to a deeper place to now we're, 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 we're actually understanding and seeing and living life by substance. Eternity. Continue on. This is uh, uh, crossing over to Ephesians chapter 4. This is uh, verses 1 through 6. Uh, the Apostle Paul speaks to, he's actually in a Roman prison writing this letter, and so he speaks to that here, and so I just want to kind of continue this, uh, this journey, because all this connects, it's all kind of one beautiful thought from this prayer to this information that he's about to deliver. Starting verse 1, therefore, because of all this, because this prayer, because of the reality of what we're praying for, I, prisoner of the Lord, implore you to now walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another and love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and who is through all and in all. Therefore, It begins with that. Therefore, because the roots of your faith are growing deeper into his love for you, because you're being strengthened to a place of understanding and comprehension of his love for you, because you are seeing God as God, now walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Now, this is a sobering sentence. I've never liked this one. Walk in a manner that is worthy of of the calling that you've received. It's enough to make one pretty self-conscious. Am I doing this correctly? And uh, and so much of religion is very self-focused. The attention turns to how am I doing 
as opposed to look what Christ has done. Uh, it it, 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 it kind of turns into just do it as opposed to it is finished. But that's not where he's going. Live this out, live out this life that you've been given in the manner that is uh, worthy of the calling that you've received and in a way that it is uh, consistent with the, the intention and the design of God how we should live this life. Paul then describes what that life looks like. He, he introduces the value system of heaven. There is a value system on earth that is presented to us. Our culture presents a value system that seems to be extremely individualistic, that seems to be uh, very, it makes us very self-important and self-centered if we buy into it, but this is a value system that is consistent with heaven, with the heart of God, with all humility, with all gentleness, with patience, showing, showing tolerance for one another in love. Be diligent to pre- preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Take a step back and read this with some objectivity, and, and you see how completely opposite this is from the driving value of our culture. In fact, this is all deferential. Everything that's said here is considering other people. Be patient. Be tolerant. Be humble. To, to humble yourself is not to think less of yourself. It's to think of yourself less. Become the, the, don't be the, the point. Take the back seat. Jesus said this all the time. The last, first, the least, or greatest. Humble yourself. Be gentle, not forceful. Be patient, not in a hurry or rushed. Show tolerance for one another. Who does that? Have you been on social media? (laughs) Hello? Who's tolerant? Show tolerance for one another in love. Let love be the motivation and the driving force here. Be diligent. Be diligent. That means make this your full-time job to preserve unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Guard, protect, defend, work on being together as one. It is not normal conversation. This is not a normal focus or emphasis. This is, this is completely countercultural. And then he addresses in, in a positive way the quality that causes us to drift away from this emphasis, these values. He shows us the culprit of why these aren't our values. He says, walking in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called. That's the value. That's the, that's the importance. That's the calling. There, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is who's over all, through all, and in all. Here's the, here's the culprit. We don't see the singularity of Jesus. We're, we're always chasing a multiplicity of 
targets and goals and achievements and dreams as if it's, it is a divine Easter egg hunt to discover who you are, to discover who God is, to discover meaning and purpose, to, to find fun and happiness, to find joy, to find, to, to find peace and rest. You've you got to get out there and get your little, uh, your little metal detector and get, get treasure hunting. In, in this, this, these verses are operating like a, like a funnel to refine us, to bring us back to the singularity of everything is Christ. Everything's from Him, through Him, and to Him. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. Jesus' prayer in John 17, make them one as we are one. The enemy of living out this calling is disconnection from oneness. What does that look like? Individualism. Individualism is the enemy of this calling. Instead of one and being united in one, we, we we live life concerned about me. Now, when I look at me instead of we, it's disconnected. So no longer is it my place in the body of Christ, it's me. Jesus uses a picture of a vineyard to describe our interconnectivity both with him and each other. We are grafted. We are, we are, he is the vine. We are the branches. And if you've ever been around uh, an actual grapevine, you, you see the, you can't tell one branch from the other because they're interconnected, all joined to the source. And he says, anyone, apart from me, you can do nothing. And anyone that's severed or separate individual is a stick. And a stick produces nothing. It's useful if you're toasting marshmallows, but that's about it. It doesn't produce fruit, and it's not helpful. The, the enemy of living out this calling is disconnected lives from the source. We have one Father of all, who is over all, who's through all, and in all. I, Jesus teaches us how to pray in, in the sermon, during the Sermon on the Mount. And the way he presents it even this prayer that people copy and they just repeat, and we miss the point, it opens with this, our Father. It's not, even a prayer isn't individual, it's, it's connected. He said, this is how you pray. Pray our Father. Go, moving on to uh, verses 7 through 13. To each one of us, Grace was giving according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of earth? He who descended is he himself also who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. And he gave some... Apostles, some prophets, some 
as evangelists, some as pastors, some teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service or the work of ministry, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. God has given a gift of ministry to ministers. Now, the gift is the focus, not the minister. The focus is God's gift of ministry, not the minister who does the ministry. We, we have done a horrible job celebritizing pastors in our culture because we celebritize everybody. So it is, a, it is uh, oftentimes, a lot of us have been turned off by church because it, it, it appears to be, feels like a cult of personality. Here's the most charismatic, gregarious um, public speaker ever. We put him in some tight jeans and some cool shoes. Uh, <laughs> give him a cool haircut. <laughs> um, put him out there, and, and, and it draws the masses. Um, the focus is not the minister. In fact, if the focus becomes a minister, then we've lost sight of ministry. In the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul brings up... Um, the, these arguments and divisions that are happening within the church way, way back, 2,000 years ago. And, and what's going on in, the, in that culture, he's saying, guys, I, I'm hearing words that some people are saying, I'm a Paul guy. And, and some people are saying, well, I'm an Apollos guy. Well, I'm a Cephas guy. And he's like, hold up. I didn't die for your sins. He, he, it's so funny. It's a funny conversation. He says, I didn't even baptize you. Oh, wait, I baptized some of you. Wait, I can't remember how many of you baptized. But it's not the point. I love it. It's, it sounds like me. Uh, Paul takes this weird little rabbit trail. But his whole point is this. And he goes on the second chapter of First uh, Corinthians to double down. And he says, I didn't come with uh, superiority of speech. I didn't come with knowledge, wisdom. I came to preach Christ and him crucified. That's it. We, we get in our culture, and this is a cultural thing. This is playing on the, the value system of this world, we get way too wrapped up in who's delivering the message as opposed to really getting to the standard and say, what's the message that's being delivered? That's worth remembering. And is the message Christ and him crucified? Because if it's not, it's not the gospel. And it's time to move on. I encourage you to leave this church. If ever I preach anything other than Christ and Him crucified. I would encourage you, I would counsel you to leave this church. But it ain't going to happen. Paul's, Paul's encouragement to that community in 1 Corinthians is, in the, the community in Corinth, is, is to stay with the thing, dance with who brought you. Stay the course. Don't get distracted. We mentioned earlier in Romans chapter 10 that, that faith comes by hearing the gospel. Keep, you need to stay plugged in. Your phone's great until it runs out of batteries. Batteries. What kind of fun we're using? I got a, I got a jitterbug. Um, <laughs> it's probably about that time. <laughs> Getting up there. Uh, so stay connected to the message. That's your source. That's, that's where we gain strength and faith, faith and, and all that. And so the lead-in, Romans 10 is a lead-in. Faith comes by hearing to this statement. He's, this is Paul. How will they hear 
without a preacher. You've got to hear the gospel. And Paul himself says it. How, how are you going to hear without a preacher? So he, he's saying, you, you need to hear the gospel taught. You need to be in community. In Hebrews, the author says, don't forsake this. We need this. But, but don't make the messenger the point. It's the message. What we listen to continues to shape us. It shapes us. So it's so important to continually hear and meditate on the truth, the gospel, and to have our roots, uh, the roots of our faith watered by the gospel. Paul goes on to describe the work of the family of faith. And so this is our purpose together. This is what we do together as the family of faith. It is about the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry to, for the point of, building up the body of Christ until we attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. We are, it is my job to, to communicate and equip and inspire, and it is our job together to inspire each other to do what we're called to do, and that is build each other up in love. This is not the only place this comes up. This is a theme. This is, this is the heartbeat of, of God. This is the heart of heaven. This is our, this is our employee. Now, we, we get very distracted, and we're like, the point is kids' soccer, and the point is my job getting the raise, and the, the point is living vacation to vacation and traveling. All those are beautiful, wonderful things, but they're just not the point. It's icing on the cake. What am I called to do? Build up the body in love. In these last few verses, Paul gets extremely practical, and this is what we'll end with here. Uh, starting verse 14 through verse 24. As a result, when all this is the focus, when all this is the point, we're no longer to be children. Grow up is what he's saying tossed here and there by waves, carried out by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness, deceitful scheming. But instead of that, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, here we have the the word whole there, let's pause, the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building of, 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 of itself in love. So I say, this I say, I affirm, affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their minds, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard, uh, you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, the old you, lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit 
and that you, being renewed in the spirit of your mind, put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, it has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. My drop. We are no longer to be like children. It is time to grow up. And the meaning here, he, he says it, he expresses it. Not tossed here and there by every wave and carried out by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and, e- and deceitful scheming. That means going down other rabbit trails of religious thoughts and pursuits and priorities and mentalities and philosophies. He's saying you've got to keep the main thing the main thing. Stay the course. There's one way, one truth, one life. Christ. He's the way, he's the truth, he's life. He is everything. Everything's from through and to him. And it is just like humans to major on the minors and to make other things infinitely smaller than Jesus the point. We're great at that. It's just this obsessive aspect of putting a microscope over something that we are emotionally or intellectually attracted to as being the thing. And you go back to what Paul just said, one faith, one baptism, one hope, one Father, it is all, it is all Him. That's the point. There's the old saying, you miss the forest for the trees. We're, we're missing the entire world because we're, we're obsessing over a grain of sand. 2 Corinthians 10 says to take every thought captive, and I always wondered what that meant. Take every thought captive captive. And the thoughts that are being taken captive here, the Apostle Paul says, take every thought captive that is raised up against, in competition with, opposed to knowledge of God. So, in other words, is this thought, is this mentality that I'm going to be living my life according to, align with the truth of the gospel? Because if it doesn't, no thank you. So when, when the, this world communicates to you that you are lesser than, that you are not good enough, that you are not qualified, that you should feel ashamed, that you should feel guilt, where does that fit in light of the gospel? There's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You are his beloved, in whom he is well pleased. As he is, so are you. That's the truth. This is a lie. Well, I, this person disagrees with me on this very important political issue. Therefore, I'm going to treat them poorly and dis- disconnect with them relationally. Go back to the gospel. What is the perfect bond of unity? Shared opinion? Shared political view? Or is it love? What am I called to do? Build others up in love. Now listen, there are moments in time where relationships end. And that's okay. But it should never end because we are unwilling to love. Now sometimes forgiving someone doesn't mean continuing the relationship because, I mean, if the lion bites you once, I'm not going to keep the lion as a pet, right? It bit me. That thing bit me. And so it's not about that. 
forgiving a lot of times is letting go of the toxicity of what bitterness and unforgiveness does within us. But a lot of times we allow little piddly nonsense to cause us to turtle, go back in our shell, separate from the body of Christ that He has called us to, say, well, Sonia did not say hello to me this morning. Never going back to that church. Uh, we, in our culture, any excuse that we have, we will disconnect. And what, what, what Paul is communicating here is look for every opportunity to stay together. Instead of being tossed around by every wind of doctrine, we're meant to be grafted into the body of Christ. Held together, as, by, as what Paul says here, by what every joint supplies. Our priority is the growth of the body for the building of, up of itself in love, which takes us back to the beginning, the priority of being rooted and grounded in love. And here's where... Uh, Paul really addresses this conversation of head versus heart. Um, Walk no longer as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, living life out of their own heads, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because the ignorance that is in them. That is ignorance, not of intellectualism, but as ignorance of faith, of belief. Uh, We'll we'll read it in the next couple weeks that our, our, our hearts are veiled. And that veil is only removed from our heart to where we can believe and connect spiritually when we turn to Jesus. We see him for who he is. Walk no longer as the Gentiles walk in the futility of mind, but being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of the heart, they have become callous. We walk by faith, not by sight. We trust the Lord with our hearts. We don't lean on our own understanding. We don't live out of the futility of our minds because the smartest that we think we are is not God smart. The last little verses here, I'll, I'll just read as we close. You did not learn Christ this way. You didn't learn him uh, in, in, you know, just with buzzwords and tweets and, and little catchphrases and fortune cooking sayings. Uh, indeed, you, if you've heard him, you've been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former life, the old you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance to lust of deceit, that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, and has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Uh, this harkens back to Romans 12. We read that last week. Uh, we are renewed. Uh, the Spirit renews us in our mind. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. The same statement, the same idea here is being renewed in the spirit of your mind. What does that mean? It is allowing what we believe, what we trust, the reality of who God is to start to inform our thinking as opposed to our thinking and understanding and comprehension to inform our concept of God. We don't, we don't intellectualize our way into a relationship with God. We are loved into a relationship. We didn't choose him, he chose us. We are loved into Everything that you read in the New Testament, our connection with God is 100% passive. He does the work. In fact, this whole conversation, even the walking in the manner worthy of the calling. How can we do that? We don't. It is no longer I who live. It is Christ who lives in me. It is allowing Jesus to be the new me. It, it's not the old self. The old self was selfish. The old self was self-consumed. The old self was individualistic. 
It is this new self that is created for life in Christ. I am in Him. He is in me. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I've been resurrected to new life because of what Christ did for me on the cross and through the resurrection from the grave, I am a new creation in Christ. Now allowing my thoughts to align with that reality. That is what it means to have our minds renewed. We are being renewed to something that is far deeper, that is far bigger, that is far broader. Now the world will take that as foolishness as we we talked about last week. It is all foolishness to the world because it doesn't make any sense. Because his ways are higher, his, or his thoughts are higher, and you can't understand them until you've, you've, you've experienced it. But we've got to live life by the truth. We've got to live life connected to the source that is eternal and that is God himself. So my prayer is this, is that we would, as our roots grow deeper and deeper into the love and the majesty and the glory of our God, that we would be strengthened and we would begin to comprehend and we would begin to know and understand that we are loved fiercely, unconditionally. We are loved with a, a, a love that is un, completely uninterrupted by anything that we could ever do or say or think or feel. God's love for us is so powerful The Bible says it's not even that we love him, it's that he loves us. He says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us to show us that love. We are are not saved so he can love us. We're saved because he loves us. And as we begin to know that, understand that, see that, it changes the way we live our lives. Because our lives are lived out of what we believe. That's what determines who we are and what we do. And that's how we walk this life out in a manner worthy of the calling. When he called us out, we are called out ones. When he chose us and says, I want you and my family. It changes our priorities. It changes our methodology. It changes our thinking. It changes how we feel. It changes how we interact with the rest of the world. And it changes the mission. We are here to build each other up in love.